Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love hosted by Richard Osler. Before I introduce my guests, I just want to make sure you're aware of a couple books I wrote. The first one is called Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. It's a couple years old, but it continues to do well. And if you haven't read that book and want to learn more about this space, listening to the podcasts like our guest today will help you. But reading this book will also help you. It's an Amazon and Deseret book. And a second book I wrote that came out in May of 2022 is called Listen, Learn, and Love. Um, surprise, surprise, we keep we love that brand. And this subtitle is Improving Latter-day Saint Culture. And that's um, 10 different standalone chapters of just how we can improve the culture of our church so more can feel um, a feeling of belonging. We can better create Zion. Um, and you can um, leave reviews for those books if you found them helpful. That helps us and this podcast. Um, you can't donate, so that's all I really ask you to do, and you've been doing a great job of that. My guest on today's podcast, joining me from Hawaii, where he is a BYU-Hawaii student, is my friend Brandon Galley. Welcome to the podcast, Brandon. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, what is the time difference? It's 3 o'clock. Not that it matters to our listeners, but it's 3 o'clock in Utah. What time is it in Hawaii? It's 11 a.m. here. We have a four-hour difference. So and I guess four that- hours back. I guess, so we're four hours difference, but you won't know that, listeners. And Brandon's going to tell his story as a gay Latter-day Saint, being a BYU-Hawaii student. He is 21. He grew up in Draper, Utah, um, graduated from Corner Canyon in 2018. We had another um, student from Corner Canyon, Luke Warnock, um, who shared his story as a gay member of that school. He is a year younger than you, I believe. Yeah, just a year younger. And so we just realized there's lots of LGBTQ people everywhere. Um, tell our listeners what you're studying at BYU-Hawaii. It's kind of a cool major. Yeah. So I originally started here at BYU studying elementary education. I felt like I was called to be a, an elementary teacher, and, and I was going along with that, and it felt good. Um, and then this last winter in December, I got a feeling that was like, you need to change it up. And so I was able to research different majors that BYU Hawaii offers. Um, and I switched to TESOL education, which is teaching English to speakers of other languages. So doing a lot of coursework in phonology and morphology and things like that, um, and linguistics. And I have a minor in intercultural peace building as well. It's really, if I had mentioned high school, would this what you thought you'd be doing or is this all no. new post high school? No, this is all new. I mean, I always wanted to be a teacher, but. Yeah, uh, the peace building in TESOL is completely new. And um, how did you make your way to BYU-Hawaii? Is it because they had these majors or other reasons that got you to BYU-Hawaii? Um, I don't really have an answer for you on that one. I think as I go to tell my story, I'll kind of allude to where that happened, but Good. I don't have that reason of why I wanted to come here. Well, we're glad you're there. And um, I think one of the things that you'll hear from Brandon, he's very involved sharing his story. Um, at BYU Hawaii, where is a place doing a good job of listening to LGBTQ members and um, creating as much belonging space. Um, we've got a joint friend that was on an earlier podcast um, who did a great job. Do you know Brother Wilson? I love ESA. I love ESA. Yes. So he's, he's quite a role for me. He's been a real trailblazer there, listeners, and he's been in our podcast and just a great young man. 
But I, as you know, listeners like to turn it over to my guests. So you can start wherever you want to start. It's all yours, Brandon. Perfect. Wow. What a daunting task. Okay. Um, so like Papa Osler said, I, I'm Brandon. I grew up in Draper, Utah. Um, very active in the church, very solid family. Um, and yeah, I knew I'd had some different feelings when I was around 12, 13, uh, that started in the locker room at school where all the wonderful things happen. Um, and quickly realized that I was a bit different. Um, whether it was through, you know, the feelings that I had or the feelings that I didn't have, I just kind of realized that something was off. Uh, as I kind of just went through school and decided that I would just kind of deal with it around when I was 14 or 15, I realized, you know what? I think I am gay. I think I am attracted to men and not necessarily attracted to men, but not attracted to women. I'd always just had uh, girlfriends growing up, friends that were girls. And, you know, my best friend was always a girl and it's just kind of how it happened. And so I realized that I wasn't attracted to women when other guys my age were. Um, so yeah, I had some realizations, but you know, everything we were taught in church that I was interpreted as that, that, that was not okay. That was wrong. That, you know, I remember there was one lesson specifically in young men's that had talked about trials and the teacher had said that every trial that you face is either something you've brought upon yourself, something that someone else has brought upon you or something that is just random. And the, my teacher had emphasized, you know, the, the ones that are just random are really rare, right? Those are cancer. Those are things like that. And so I was like, well, you know, me being attracted to men isn't as serious as cancer, you know? So I must've either done this to myself or someone must've done it to me. And so for a lot of years, I just kind of lived in this bubble of shame and guilt and uh, not knowing who I was or where I belong. And so when I was, I think I was 15, um, I was in 10th grade English class and I had this awesome friend named Summer. Um, and I had just gotten this intense feeling that I should tell her that I think I'm gay. Uh, it was nothing I'd even verbalized ever. Uh, and I don't really know why I got the feeling in the middle of English class, but I just kind of leaned over to her and I was just like, hey, I, I think I'm gay. And she just reacted in the most positively way that she could. Right? She embraced me in a hug. She was like, oh my gosh, I love you. And, and it was a really good thing. And so I'd had a, I'd had a best friend at that point uh, from like third grade, like elementary, right? Me and we'll call her Stacy. Me and Stacy were besties. I mean, everyone in the school knew who we were. We were pretty iconic. Um, and we just had a really solid relationship. And so I was like, well, I'm going to work up telling Stacy that I'm gay. And so I'd come out to a couple other people in high school, um, and all really good, really, really good. And so I was like, okay, it's time to tell Stacy. And so one day when me and Stacy were out, I, you know, just kind of told her, I said, Hey, I think I'm gay. And I think at the time I probably would have said same sex attracted. I think that's kind of where a lot of people start out. Um, I don't really remember. Um, and that reaction was not good. Um, that was one met with a lot of hate and a lot of mean words. Um, and that soon became the end of our friendship, our long 11 year friendship at that point. Um, which was really heartful for me, right. To, to be told that I I'm going to hell is not something that a 16 year old really wants to hear when he's going through this identity crisis. And so at that point, I promised myself that I would never come out to anyone again. I said, if this closest friend of mine reacted this way, you know, which caused me to lose her from my life, then I'm not going to tell my parents. I'm not going to tell 
any other friends. I'm not going to tell my cousins, my siblings, it's not going to happen because the result of telling someone that I love is them leaving my life. And so I had kind of absorbed back into that shell after that point. Um, the last couple of years of high school were really hard because I had then lost this friend that was almost a sibling to me. And I didn't really know where my identity was or who I was. So I graduated high school and decided that I was, I'm out, I'm out of Draper, Utah. I'm leaving this place. And so I'd, I'd applied to Utah Valley University. And so I went down there first semester. And while I was down there, I worked on, I, I got, I like to say I got recruited by Disney. Um, I had applied for the Disney college program and they accepted me pretty quick and offered me a role working in Florida at Disney World. And so that was fall of 2018 that I was in UVU. And so spring of 2019, I packed up all my stuff and I flew to Florida by myself to go work for Disney, uh, which was nervous. They were very scary. I was very nervous, but I just kind of trusted that it was what I was supposed to do. And so I went to Florida, not knowing anybody and started over a new chapter. Uh, while I was there working at Disney, living the absolute dream, I was surrounded by so many people who were open and loving. And, you know, I would say 80% of the guys there are gay. You know, there's a lot. Disney likes the gays and the gays like Disney. And so it was a, an environment where I could be myself. And it was something that I hadn't felt in Utah. I had never felt an environment where I was wanted for who I was. And so I started to come out to people in Florida. And it wasn't a big deal. It was just normal. It was, okay, cool. Where do you want to go for dinner? And it just very much normalized it for me. And so I was safe and I was happy there. Uh, I worked there for about six months and I had the opportunity to go full-time with Disney and I prayed about it, you know, still keeping a very strong relationship with Christ, not necessarily the church, but with Christ. Um, and I got the strong prompting that said, you need to go home. And I was just kind of sitting there like, are you kidding me right now? Like, is this real? Like, I just moved out here. I'm finally embracing and loving myself. And you're telling me that I have to go home. And so I fought it. But every time I prayed, every experience that I had told me that I had to go back home to Utah. So I called my parents, told them that I'm, you know, coming back home. I'm ending my internship when it's supposed to end. And so I came back to Utah in fall of 2019. Um, and I had... It was a really hard thing for me because I had just moved from Florida where I was out and open and I was back in Utah in my childhood home where I wasn't. Um, and I felt like I was almost being pushed and forced back into that closet. Um, and that's a feeling that no one should have to feel is being forced back into somewhere where they weren't healthy, where it was toxic. Um, and so one night I was just showering and, you know, kind of getting back into the vibe of being in Utah and work, doing a job and going to school again. And at like 2 a.m., I got this strong feeling in the shower that said, you need to go tell your mom. And I was like washing my hair and I was like, no way is this happening right now. Like, are you serious? I'd gotten used to this feeling, this prompting of you need to go come out to someone. I like to call it the feeling. And I got the feeling at the shower at 2 a.m. And I was like, no way am I doing this? And it kept coming and it kept coming to me. And I tried to go to sleep and I couldn't sleep. And so I walked upstairs and I said, fine, well, I'm going to go tell my mom. And so I woke my mom up at 2 a.m. And I said, hey, can I come talk to you on the couch? She was like, what? What is going on, right? She's, she just got woken up. And so you're already in that confusing spot when you wake up. Like, what year is it? That kind of stuff. And I, here I was at 2 a.m. asking her if I could talk to her. And her mind is probably like, oh, boy, what did this kid get into? And so I just kind of sat with her on the couch. And I just said, hey, 
I said, I think I'm, I didn't say, I think I said, I'm gay. And my mom was just silent, just silent. Maybe that was because it was the middle of the night. You know, there's a lot of factors that played into it, but she was just silent. And I sat there and I said, mom, I need you to ask me some questions. I said, I need you to say something. I need you to give me some reassurance that I'm doing the right thing. Because last time I came out to someone that I loved, they left my life. And so I just said, I need you to reassure me that that's not going to happen. Um, and I'm not really sure what happened after that. You know, I'm, I'm fairly certain she would have given me a hug and we just went back to bed. Um, but yeah, so that started the coming out process to my family. So I was 19 at this point. And a week or two went by and, you know, it was a hard thing for my mom to kind of juggle on her own. She wanted me to tell my dad. She wanted to be able to talk to her friends. It was something that she didn't want to carry alone. And so we'd kind of gotten in an argument one night and I just said, mom, this is my thing. I said, I suffered with this for so long. You can hold on to it for a week. Let me come out to dad when I'm ready to come out to dad. And that was a, a point of contention for us because it was hard for me because I wanted her to feel comfortable and have someone that she could talk to. But this is my thing as well. And if I had to go for so long, then you can go for a week. It is okay. And so um, I was really nervous to tell my dad because he's always been, you know, elders quorum president, Sunday school teacher, you know, very in bishoprics. He's very strong in the church, very a rock in the church. And I didn't know how he was going to respond. And so one day amidst of a, an argument with my mom, I think I just said, fine, well, I'm going to go tell him right now then, right? You win. I'm going to march down there and tell him on the couch. Which my mom was like, no, 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 no. You know, you don't, you don't have to. And, and I went kind of out of spite and just said, fine, you want this to happen, then it's going to happen. And so I went and I just sat with my dad and I said, can you pause your show? He was like, yeah, sure. And I just said, I am gay. And I said, I need you to love me and I need you to support me. And in that moment, it was just, what is he going to respond? Am I going to get kicked out? How is this going to happen? And immediately he just embraced me in a hug and just said, I love you. And we both just started crying. And it was a moment that I wasn't expecting. And I'm a little sad that I had such low of expectations for my dad. But at the same time, it was kind of a defense mechanism of, you know, I need to be prepared in case whatever happens. And so from that point forward, it just kind of started me and my family's journey into coming into LGBTQ awareness and, and building this community that we have. And so um, after I'd actually come out to my dad, I was chilling in my room again, you know, still going to school this is fall in 2019. And I got the feeling that it was time for me to go back to Disney. <laughs> and I was like, goodness gracious, can I please stop getting just thrown around to where I need to go? And so I had applied to Disney again and they'd contacted me and they offered me my dream role. They said, if you can come back, we'll offer you your dream job, which is called a character attendant, uh, which means I just get to work with the characters. I'm essentially their little bodyguard, walk them around, have this cute interactions. And they offered me that dream job. They said, can you come in January, 2020? I said, yes. So I talked to my parents and we decided that this was, this is what's going to happen. And so I packed up all my stuff bought a car, shipped the car to Florida. I was ready to stay in Florida. And Disney has this awesome program called Disney Aspire, where if you're a full-time cast member, they'll pay for 100% of your tuition at University of Central Florida. And so I was like, yes, okay, this is it. This is where I'm going to end up. Um, beautiful thing. So I got to Disney and I got to Florida in 2020, started working my dream job. And it was the highlight of my life up to that point. Um, but then sadly, 
in March 2020, COVID came around and I got let go from Disney, uh, which caused a lot of anger in me of why would you send me back here just to send me home again? Within the two years I've moved to Florida and Utah, it would have been four times. Can you please stop just throwing me around like I'm a rag doll? Um, and so I'd been told that I was getting let go in the middle of a, a character dining shift that I was working. And I cried and I called my mom and just kind of expressed her what was going on. And, and I sat there for a second. I said, well, I can sit here and cry the rest of this afternoon or I can go back out and do what makes me happy and be with the characters. And so I walked back out and, you know, started doing my job again. That only lasted about five minutes before I started crying again and had to go in the back. But I'm proud of myself for being the confident person that I was. Um, and so, yeah, so an, an awesome friend, a family friend in Florida, uh, offered her home to me. She said, please come stay with us while, while Disney figures it out, while COVID settles down, please come stay with us. And so I went to the, the East coast of Florida in Cocoa beach area and stayed with the sweet family friend and her family for the whole month of March. And, um, I got the feeling that I needed to stay in Florida. And so me and my, some friends, we went and we rented a house in Orlando and just said, fine, well, we're going to wait this out, wait for Disney to offer us our jobs back. So we got a house and we lit, we had quarantine in a house with a pool and two pugs. And it was, it was a very fun time of life um, of no one just doing anything, but swimming and watching TV. And it was good. Um, I mean, it wasn't good, but it was good at the same time. And so, yeah, I'd stayed in Florida uh, for a year and I waited for Disney to open up casting or which is what they the hiring again. And the parks had opened, but they still didn't open up hiring. They still didn't open up hiring. And so one day it came to the point where we had to decide if we're going to renew our house lease, if everyone's going to go find other places, what we're going to do. And I'm someone that always goes off my feelings, what, what the spirit prompts me to do, what my feelings, my emotions prompt me to do. And at that moment, my emotions weren't prompting me to do anything. I wasn't getting the feeling that I needed to renew the house. I wasn't getting the feeling that I needed to apply for colleges there. I wasn't getting anything. And since that, since that moment, I've learned that sometimes the lack of an answer is an answer in of itself. And so I, you know, had a couple restless nights of what am I going to do? I have, you know, some time left here. What am I going to renew? And I woke up one morning with this feeling that I need to look into BYU Hawaii. And for me, I'd kind of, I don't want to say I left the church at that point, but I wasn't going frequently. You know, I was still keeping up on my spirituality and my relationship with Christ, which I think is all that matters. Um, but I got the feeling that I should look into BYU Hawaii. And I was shocked. I was like, a BYU school? Really? Like, I swore I would never go to BYU. But I knew I didn't want to go back home to Utah in the cold. And I didn't want to stay in Florida. And so I said, well, I want to finish school. And I don't want to be in the cold. So BYU Hawaii does it for me. And so I'd researched the school that morning that I'd woken up after that feeling. And was just looking of what, what can they offer me here? And the thing that actually convinced me to apply was after researching who the president is, President Coway. And as soon as I researched who he was, I got the feeling that this is where I needed to be. In wow. this moment in my life, I need to be here with President Coway, uh, which was crazy. Really weird experience because he was a new president at the time. And so I applied. And in one of my essays that, you know, you need to get into BYU, I wrote my story of being gay. And I said, well, I'm putting it out there. If they don't accept me because of this, I don't want to go to that school in the first place. Um, but just so they're aware that this is part of me and I'm not hiding it again. And so I applied and I wrote a whole essay about being gay in the church. 
And soon after I got my acceptance letter. And so from that moment on, I had a month to leave Florida. My house lease was ending at the end of March, 2021, and I had to leave Florida. So I sold all my stuff, packed up, accepted my offer to BYU Hawaii, and decided that I was going to go live in Utah for the summer, just with my family, and then fly out here this past August. And so packed everything, sold everything. Um, and on the day that I was leaving Florida, just me in my car with all my luggage driving back to Utah, I got a call from Disney and they said, hey, we are opening hiring again. Would you like to come back? At which I just didn't know how to react because I couldn't turn around. I was literally leaving Florida, like driving out of Florida. I couldn't turn around. And so I pulled over to the side of the road and I just sobbed because I'd waited for this moment for so long and it was finally here. But then my heart was telling me that I needed to go to BYU Hawaii. And so I didn't, you know, reapply and I just kept going. And that was the confirmation that looking back, I needed in that moment that this is what I'm supposed to be doing was that feeling and that strength that you need to be going to BYU Hawaii. And so I moved back home to Utah for the summer, got a job um, and eventually moved out here in August 2021, this past fall and started here. Um, so yeah, I didn't have, I just had a prompting that I needed to do it and I followed it. And I think there's a lot of beauty in understanding our promptings, listening to them and just doing them, not wasting the time deciding if it's my personal feelings, if it's the spirit, just do it and just go for it. And so I got here in fall of 2021 and with my random roommates in the six person apartment that we had, three of us were gay. And so that was huge for me, right? Of in this random selection that half of the apartment is identifies as LGBTQ was huge for me. And on the first Sunday, um, yes, I actually gave a lesson in Sunday school. And so here I was watching an openly gay man give a lesson to a bishop that proudly and openly supported him with my three roommates or with my two other roommates who were both gay. It was a crazy experience of this is where I need to be. In that lesson, in that moment, I knew that there's a place for me and that I'm not alone at this school. And so fall semester was really fun semester to be here, explore Hawaii, meet new friends, found some amazing allies as friends, um, and just be really open with who I was. And so I went and I spoke to an intercultural peace building class about affirmation, which is a, an NGO. It's an organization that bridges church and LGBTQ um, that my roommate was a part of. And he was like, hey, could you just come answer some questions for me? And I said, yeah, sure. I sat there and had a Q&A with the class where they were able to just ask any question. I told them, I, you can ask me any question and I will give you an answer. I've never not answered a question. Um, and kind of opening this space up for these students to just ask. Because to me, if you want to know more about me, if you want to become a better ally, just ask questions. If you're not asking questions, it shows me that you don't care, that you don't want to learn more. Um, and so I encourage that class, please ask me questions. Um, and it was, it was a time when I realized that, okay, I have a lot to offer, right? The answers that I was getting, the questions that I was getting asked, I realized that there's a need at this school for this. And so um, that's when I'd added a minor in a cultural peace building. I decided I want to be with these students. And I switched to TESOL because I decided that I want to go teach around the world. I don't want to just limit myself to being here in America. Uh, this is also a global problem. You know, this isn't just things that white people in Utah face. This is something that students from all over the world are facing and students that I've met at this school from all over the world that are facing this, that this is a global issue. This is not just our mainstream um, Christian issue that people are struggling with this everywhere. 
And it almost, you know, being here at the school made me realize how blessed and privileged I am that, you know, in some countries it is a crime, right? They, they will get kicked out from their families and they're here at this school wondering if this is a safe space for them. And so quickly I realized that I have a duty at this school as an openly gay man, as someone who is a white male to utilize that privilege that I have and make my voice loud and heard to everybody. Because, you know, something that I'm constantly told by the spirit is if not you, then who, if you aren't going to do it, then who else is going to do it? And so from that moment forward, I decided that this is, this is what I'm going to do. And so at the beginning of this winter semester in January, I walked into honor code and I said, Hey, can I meet with the president of honor code? And the guy was like, what, what do you mean? You can't just request to meet with the president of honor code. And he was like, what's it about? And I said, it's about LGBTQ issues. I said, is there a time today he's free that I can come meet with him? And he said, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll clear up a spot for you. And so he said, can you come back at 1.30? I said, yes. And so at 1.30, I marched back to honor code uh, with this desire, this feeling that I need to do more. And I walked into the president of honor code's office and I met with him and I introduced myself. I said, I'm Brandon. I'm an open gay student here on campus. I said, I want to know what the honor code says. I said, can you give me a physical copy can we pull it up and go through this together of what are my limits as a BYU Hawaii student who's openly gay? What can I do? And so together we opened the honor code and BYU Hawaii's honor code is different than BYU Provo's honor code. Um, BYU Hawaii only has six things on their honor code, six items. That's all. It's a half a sheet of paper and LGBTQ issues are not mentioned on there. And so I said, okay, I said, so what does this mean for me? I said, can I date on campus? Can I, you know, what are my limits? What are my things like this? Because I respect this school. I came in here. I agreed to follow these rules and I don't want to disrespect the school. And I don't want to break the rules. So please let me know what my limits are. And he said, well, Brandon, he said, a lack of an answer is an answer of itself. He said, there's nothing in our honor code about LGBTQ plus. So he said, I'm going to leave that up to you to decide what you want to do about that. Um, which was not what I was expecting at all. And he was able to say, I don't know. He said, I don't know, which is huge coming from a church leader, because I think sometimes we get so scared of saying, I don't know. I'm like, I wish you would just tell me you didn't know. Instead of making up some answer that's going to cause more hurt somehow, I wish you would just tell me you don't know. And so I thanked him. I said, thank you so much for telling me you don't know. And he said, did this help? And I said, I mean, yeah, but also it didn't give me anything to go off of. Saying there isn't an answer doesn't do anything for me. Um, and so personally, I just decided, well, I'm going to try dating. Then the honor code knows who I am. There's nothing in the honor code. I'm going to follow the law of chastity and try dating. And so um, the next week, President Coway had actually had a, it's called talk story, where students could just go and ask President Coway questions and chat with him for an hour. And so I messaged all my LGBTQ friends on campus, all of them. And I said, hey. Let's go to this. Let's make him known, not as a rebellious, not as a sign of protest, but let's let him know that we are here. We want, you know, we'd like to acknowledge the, that we are here. And so I messaged tons, I mean, probably 50 students. Um, and I was the only one that showed up. Um, me and a couple of my awesome friends that are allies showed up with me. But out of all the LGBTQ students, I was the only one that showed up, which was very disheartening for me. Because I'm like, we say we want representation and we say we want equality, yet no one's willing to put in the effort to do this. 
However, if I were to say there was a protest, I can guarantee the majority of you would come to the protest. Um, and I'm not dishing on the LGBTQ students here on campus, um, but I think it's okay to be critical of ourselves and know on the areas that we need to improve better. And so in that talk story with President Coway, I'd raised my hand. And there was a lot of unrest going on at UIU Provo in that moment. Um, it was with, I think, the speech center, the speech and language center, stuff that was going on with that at UIU Provo. And I just raised my hand and I said, President Coway, I told him my story a little bit. And I said, you were the reason I felt inclined to come to this school. I said, can you reassure me and every other LGBTQ student at the school that we are wanted and that we are loved at this university? And he looked at me with tearful eyes and he said, of course you are. You are always welcome and loved at this school. From that moment on, there was a solid relationship with President Kawe, where he knew my name, where he would see me working. I worked at the grocery store here. He would see me and come up and talk to me. I built this strong relationship of love and trust and compassion um, that has led to more amazing things. And so from that moment forward, um, I have openly talked in classes. I have helped to organize Rainbow Day which was through Color the Campus here. It was huge this past March here on campus. We sold over, not sold, we passed out over, trying to think, over a thousand rainbow masks is what we passed out on campus. And BYU Hawaii was beautiful with everyone was wearing rainbow socks and shirts. And, and it's just shocking to me that two schools can be so different that we have people at BYU Provo getting in trouble for passing things out. And then we have BYU Hawaii where teachers and administration are wearing rainbow masks. Um, which made me think, why? Why BYU Hawaii? Why are we so different? And I attribute that to diversity. I think the diversity of this school, with the majority of students, over 50% of the students, not from America, um, it puts everyone in this mindset of people are going to be different than me. My roommates are going to be different than me. They might speak a different language. They might be from a different country. Um, people in my classes are going to be different than me. And that's okay. And so everyone at this school is already in that mindset that people are going to be different from me and I need to embrace that and be okay with it, um, which is one of the beauties of this school is the diversity and the, the large population from outside of the mainland. And yeah, Rambo Day was just amazing with everyone rooted in this idea that these LGBTQ students are different than me. However, I'm going to love them and I'm going to show them that they are loved. And it was a beautiful day. And so from that point forward, um, I've done Q&As in psychology classes. I've done research interviews with people from universities across the, the nation. I did one with the University of Illinois this week. I've met with reporters from the church. I've just made my voice loud and proud and heard. And I think there's a lot of beauty that can come into approaching people with a sense of compassion and a sense of love that people have questions. And so if we shut them down, if we tell them we're oppressed and they're oppressing us and that they're hurting us, it's not going to get us the, the results that we want. We need to approach them with a place of loving and understanding that I'm here, that I'm hurting, but I would love your help in this journey of being an ally. And something that I say in every class that I go to, I say, if you aren't going to be an ally for me and the other students at this campus, I said, that is okay. I said, but you need to be allies for your future children. I said, because the majority of you in here are going to have children who identify as LGBTQ. And so I'm giving you a head start right now. Please be ahead of this curve that is coming. Don't let it throw you off. Please don't have your, your children add to the statistic of youth suicide in Utah. Please 
do it for your future children, if not for me. You don't know me, it's okay. But your future children are going to need you. And this is an issue that's not going away. And I usually just say, eat or be eaten, right? Be with us or like you're going to fall behind somehow. And I just think that there's a lot of beauty um, in this school, in this university, in the diversity that's here. And I'm very proud to be a seasider here at BYU Hawaii. Yeah, that's a long story. But yeah, that's me. <laughs> I just love it, listeners, when someone just shares their story like Brandon, you are articulate, you are thoughtful. Um, I don't know these stories, listeners. I'm hearing them the same time you are in real time. And every story is so different and unique. And I'm so grateful that Brandon reached out. Um, one of the themes of your podcast is a- uh, acting on spiritual impressions. And yes. I wrote yes. down, I've never known anybody that's come out to the first time in the 10th grade um, during English class to your friend Summer. I wrote that down. And then to your mom yeah. at 2 a.m. And your whole experience with Disney and the impressions to go, not go. And then this crazy place you found yourself in. Not that it's a crazy place, but it was just not on your radar map. Not on my but, radar. And here you are at BYU Hawaii, all packed up, leaving Florida. And then that beautiful opportunity of Disney opened up. I love what's going on at BYU Hawaii. I wrote down diversity equals Zion. I love what the president of BYU Hawaii is doing, um, faculty, the honor code officer. To me, they are just, all they're doing is completely within the teachings of our church and completely within Christ's example. And what they're doing for you, you kind of talk about what they, people that are supporting you. It's not really very complicated. They just tell you they love you and that you're welcome here and you're needed here. And it isn't, that doesn't require us to change our doctrine or to compromise something. So every time you talk about a positive experience, it's not very complicated. It's kind of embarrassing in a way that all people, and I realize we need to do more than just that, but just what um, these people in your life have done for you just to say, I'm needed and I'm wanted and you're welcome here and we're better off with you here. And I love your insights into the uniqueness of BYU Hawaii and the diversity that's already present there and how that's a good thing. And it allows perhaps more diversity to just be normalized. I loved where you were at um, in Florida at Disney and it was just a non-event being gay. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good thing in some ways is I think it helps with um, internalized homophobia. I don't think it makes it more likely for people to leave the church or to, mm-hmm. I just think it takes the shame away and just feels like, okay, this is who I am. And, and you're feeding that at BYU Hawaii. You felt that at Disney. You haven't felt it at some times. And I think to me, listeners, that's creating Zion and that's creating what we need to do within our circles of influence, our church, our work environments, our school environments, our family environments. That's a good thing. I think it helps people feel love and have a better relationship with God. Um, I love our friend Yesse, if I'm saying his name right. I always mispronounce your first name, Yesse, if you're listening. Um, but here you are just going to the ward for the first time, and he's teaching. Um, and I'm just thinking, 
you know, an openly gay man teaching, I think you said Sunday school and you've got gay roommates. And to me, that's a good thing. And that's creating Zion. And it's just creating, I belong here and people like me are here and there's representation just enough to feel like you're needed and it gives you voice and confidence. And so anyway, listeners, those are a couple of my thoughts I wrote down and, and I, I think it's a good thing what's happening at BYU Hawaii. They're not ahead of, some would say, well, they're going to get in trouble or they're ahead of the brethren or they're doing things. And I think they're absolutely within the doctrine of our church and they're doing what we're asked to do is, is create a feeling that everybody's welcome and everybody's needed. And, and, and they're doing it the best way they know how to do it. Now, BYU, Idaho and BYU Provo may do that a little differently. And at times, I think all the BYU schools can learn from each other. So I don't want to say one's doing it better than others. Maybe some would feel BYU Hawaii is doing it better, but I think... I would feel that. <laughs> and Brandon would feel that. I'm a good BYU Hawaii pride. <laughs> and um, so I don't want to sort of... I just recognize that people are processing this differently. And um, I think we can learn from BYU Hawaii because I think it's a good thing that you feel welcome there and needed. And you make a great point about all your straight friends are going to have kids or grandkids, um, or they're going to be local leaders and they need experience um, understanding how to support LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. So that's a little bit of my segment, listeners. And Brandon, I'll hand it back to you for more thoughts. Yeah. I'm just kind of, you've been talking, a couple of things have come to mind. Um, Every time I speak in to a class or do a Q&A, I always get the same question. I always try to end with this question. If a student says, okay, well, what can I do? Tell me what I can do to be better for the community. And I think we as humans, I think we as members of the church, we want to just be told what we need to do. Just give me a checklist of something that I need to check off to say that I'm an ally. And so every time someone asks this question, I say, whoever asked this question, it's usually anonymous, say, thank you so much. Because this is a question that I love to answer. Um, and I usually start with, we as humans want to be told what we need to do. Just give me a rainbow mask to wear so I can check it off and say that I'm an ally. And in my linguistics class, we have gone into sociolinguistics and learned about the importance of language and how it shapes um, our thought and our culture and vice versa, how culture impacts our language and our thought. And so I say, you know, this isn't going to be easy. I said, I can't give you something that you can just check off. But I said, you need to start viewing and thinking about LGBTQ people with a more open heart. When someone comes out as gay, don't first think, are they following the law of chastity? Are they doing this? Are they following the commandments? Open up your mind to, okay, cool. Because when you open up your mind and your thoughts, it affects your language and your language or what people see around you. And so in if you see someone saying a slur, doing something like that, which I don't think happens too often, but speak up, say that, change the way you view and think about LGBTQ people. Because once your thoughts change, everything else starts to change along the way. And that's how the spirit can more closely talk to you. The spirit talks to us through our thoughts. And so if our thoughts are focused and rooted in being hateful or being, you know, well, they just might not be falling about chastity or, well, they might be going to a different, you know, kingdom after this life right don't don't think about that please i don't need that and i always say this too i say i don't need you 
to tell me what God thinks about me. I don't need you to tell me what the commandments say. I don't need you to tell me what the scriptures say. Because honestly, I probably know them better than you because they've been used as a weapon so much against me. I say, I need you to love and embrace me. I say, yes, God has rules and you know, expectations for us. You do not need to have expectations for me as a girl sitting next to me in religion class. You do not have to make, I do not have to be doing X, Y, and Z in order for you to love me. God does not ask us to have that for each other. He asks us to simply love each other as he would. And so that was kind of a discussion we had in my religion class this week of, you know, the teacher had said something like, well, God's, God's love isn't unconditional, which I'm not sure I feel about that. But she was just like, he has expectations for us, you know, things that we need to do. It doesn't mean he's not going to love us as much, but we have expectations. Um, and I just kind of raised my hand and I said that I said to everyone in this class, I said, but you do not need to have expectations for people in order to show love. They do not have to look a certain way. They do not have to be holding a calling. They do not have to be taking the sacrament every week in order for you to show them love. Leave it up to God. It is our job to love. It is free. It is one of the first commandments that we are told to do. And so that is something I will always just talk about in the classes of please just open up your heart and your mind. And understanding that love does not require understanding. I don't need you to fully understand who I am or what I struggle with. All I ask is that you love me. I think sometimes we put up these barriers of, I don't understand how you could be trans. So I'm not going to show love and support. Well, you're not trans. If you don't understand what it's like to be trans, that means you're not trans. So you know, the love for them does not require you fully understanding them and their situation. And so I think sometimes we just get caught up in our own little brain cycles, our brain tornadoes of, you know, playing these mental games of how can we not love this person? What, 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 what thing can I put up that makes me not be able to love this person when we're just overcomplicating it? It's not that difficult. Um, and something else that I've loved and that I've come to notice is when we are truly and authentically ourselves, then we will attract the people that God wants to put in our life. The people that God has waiting for us in our lives. When we are truly and authentically ourselves, that is when we can attract those people that are meant to be in our lives. And I think that, um, that life's too short and too complicated to, to not love each other. You know, God asks us to love. It's, it's too short to not love. And I think that my relationship with Christ has never been stronger than it is right now as an openly gay member of the church here at BYU Hawaii. I've never been more in tune with the spirit. I've never met such amazing people and support and resources in my life when I am truly and authentically myself. And I just think that the feelings that I had when I was in the closet were not feelings of the spirit. They were feelings of shame and guilt and embarrassment. And those are not feelings of the spirit. And so when I was able to come out, I was able to truly access and understand God's love and the love that they have for me. So, yeah. Listeners, um, as I listen to Brandon, I looked at on my notes and I see age 21 and I just recognize, you know, how articulate, thoughtful, um, at peace with who you are at a young age and mm -hmm. what a unique life mission. You're also full of grace and kindness and you're talking about this in a way that I think draws allies towards you and um, you're just really good at vocabulary and just have such a wonderful tone about you. 
I am. Um, a couple thoughts came to mind, listeners, as I love what your honor code officer did. I don't think he gave you a pass or didn't stand up for the teachings of the church. And I love the fact that you just went to him and said, let's make sure I'm on the same page. I'd call you a stand-up guy for doing that. But I love the way, I call it a principles-based approach. He sort of empowered you. He says, this is, this is the honor code. This is what you agreed to do. There's a law of chastity on there. Um, there's, and so he gave, instead of give, and maybe some Latter-day Saints want the checklist of all the specific things, but I think a higher, that's what we used to do with home teaching, I think, listeners. And I think our church leaders are trying to get us to kind of a higher, holier way where we're principle-based. And so the principle of home teaching is I'm really impacting this person's life versus just checking a checkbox. And so I think he empowered you in a way with the principle-based, you know, this is the honor code. Um, here it is. You've agreed to live it. I'm you. It's a principle-based thing. So I love that. I love, and I think you're very sensitive to this because of the privilege you have being Caucasian and from North America is it, it's sort of this, I think everybody, as you hear Brandon, you may not to be able to be, you may be able to be authentic, but not the way Brandon's authentic. Cause I know you would have many people at BYU Hawaii because of where they come from. They can't be out. They can be out to you, but they could never be on a podcast. Um, they could never, cause they are potentially going back to a country where they wouldn't, they could, their lives could be at risk. So, and I know there's, so I think both of us would invite you to be a, I think the first step of being authentic is completely accepting this part about you. And obviously you've done that, Brandon. And there's people teach me that call that internalized homophobia. And then I think the next step is then how authentic am I going to be with others? But I think you can be authentic if you decide I can't be authentic with others and don't put shame on yourself or don't say, I, I wish I could be like Brandon. He's the real deal and he's open and I can't do that. So that keeps you on the shame road. I think both of us would invite you not to do that. You've got to write your own story and your situation is going to be a little bit different. And there's probably a lot of closet people listening to this podcast that are going to be closeted for the rest of their life for one reason or another. And I think both of us would stay that's okay. You've got to write your own story and do this the way you can. All right. So I want you to kind of add on that because I know you've got some thoughts on that. I yeah. Would... Well, like the amazing guy Ben Shalati always says, he says, this is my story. He said, this is who I am. And this does not mean it's your story. And he tells the experiences. I know he talks about it in his book as well of, you know, I don't want people coming to me saying, I wish my son could be just like you. I don't want people coming to me saying, I wish I could be just like you because we, God is a God of diversity. So I don't want everyone to be the same. Why, why, you know, I always use this analogy of snowflakes, that every snowflake is different and unique in the way it is. And so why would God, a God who created snowflakes, want everyone to think and believe and act the same way? If God was able to put that much detail in a tiny microscopic thing, then that means they were able to put that much detail in me and everyone else around me. And so, you know, I always think about what Ben says when he says, you know, this is my story and my story alone. And this doesn't mean, you know, when Ben and Charlie always start their podcast with, these are our experiences. You know, we do not speak for the church. We do not speak for others. This is our experiences. And then they usually go on to say how they're different. Um, 
And so I think that that's something key to understanding is I have met a lot of students here who will say, oh, I just wish I had your confidence. I just wish I could do this. And I always stop them in their track and I say, I don't, I don't wish you had my confidence. I don't wish you were as open as I was. I said, I wish you are who you are meant to be in your life right now. You are on your journey of where you need to be. And that is okay. You know, it is okay if you still identify as same-sex attracted. If you can't even say the word gay, that is okay. Please do not compare yourself to me because I am not that great of a guy. (laughs) Please do not give me that much power in your life because, you know, with all my quirks and stuff, I please do not give me that much power. Um, And I just think that there's a beauty and a fine line and a balance between having attributes you want from someone else, right? If someone wanted my confidence, that's fine. Work towards it. But please don't make that your goal that I just want to be just like Brandon because I don't want you to be like me. Please don't. Please don't. So that's just my whole thing of God is a God of diversity. And that means we're all going to be at different stages on our path when we're supposed to be there. It's okay to embrace and to love it. It's good to have goals in places you want to be. But ultimately, you're at where you're at now. And so please just embrace it and learn from where you're at now. Because we all, if we were all fully out with ourselves and open, it just, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of beauty in diversity and being where you are and embracing and accepting where you are, that it is okay. And let's please get rid of that shame. Please get rid of that guilt because those are not feelings of the spirit. And I can guarantee you that our heavenly parents do not want us feeling those feelings about ourselves because they put time and precious energy into creating us who we are. And so if we're sitting here constantly shaming and guilting ourselves, we are not fulfilling our full potential that our heavenly parents have for us. And I have a lot of love for my heavenly parents, especially my heavenly mother. And I just think that there's a lot of beauty in being who you are and embracing who you are and being authentic to who you are. That doesn't mean being authentic like Brandon. That doesn't mean being authentic like Charlie Bird. It means being authentic to who you are as an individual, as a child of God. That was a great segment. Good. (laughs) There's some people I just think by the way. I have never said that before. So that was 100% the spirit telling me to say that. I would guess there's some people listening that that was really helpful to them because they just need to be who they are and feel really good about who they are. And you're right. Not everybody can be Ben or Charlie or Brandon or different people in this space. And I think that's okay. And you said that wonderful words. You also use some language to describe your creation. Um, Time and precious energy to describe our heavenly parents creating us. That was just beautiful vocabulary. I wrote that down word for word. Tremendous. Um, the personalization of that is something I really agree with, that we're all children of heavenly parents who love us and know us individually. And I think there's principles, I think, apply to all, um, all of us, um, straight or LGBTQ, is, is this relationship with our heavenly father, our heavenly parents, that even if you choose to be closeted and are only out to yourself, I think you also, I, I wouldn't find any reason you couldn't, I've never heard of a rational reason somebody's told me they shouldn't be out to God. Because mm-hmm. I think that's just part of um, taking the shame away and feeling that you're, that you're loved, which helps you love yourself. I sort of think both of those often go hand in hand, is if you can come to the realization your heavenly parents love you, and your creative is intended, including 
not being straight, that you can love yourself also if that's how you conclude they feel about you. Um, I certainly, and I wrote this in my book, listeners, sort of thought, well, something went wrong here. Our heavenly parents are surprised some of their children aren't straight. And and I've come to the conclusion they're not surprised. This is part of the plan. This is, it puts everybody on the same moral footing that they're created as they're intended to be created. And, and our heavenly parents, of course, aren't surprised. Or So have you thought about why you're gay? I mean, some people will sort of have some impressions and some, do you have any thoughts on why you're gay? You know, I've had a lot of thoughts. Um, sometimes in spite, sometimes in anger, sometimes in happiness and gratitude and celebration. Um, it's kind of the same point of like, I wonder why I'm here at BYU Hawaii. Um, and I kind of just answer it with why not, you know, why am I gay? Well, why, why would I not be, you know, this, this aspect and this identity in myself has opened up my eyes to a world that I know a lot of people are not seeing. I have had spiritual experiences. I have had testimonies and revelations given to me that I wouldn't have been able to have if I wasn't gay. You know, I have embraced the part of me that can connect to women really well. I love women. And I think if I was straight, I probably wouldn't have had that connection that's been able to get me to those connections and those beautiful relationships in my life. Um, I think it allows me to understand and empathize with Jesus a little bit, you know, with him being cast out by his own people. Guess who's also been cast out by our own people? Us, you know, guess who's, who is still being talked about in conference, LGBTQ people, you know, not that I'm, you know, as, as, you know, as much as Jesus Christ, but, you know, it's understand me to build a little empathy for people who are different than me. I've been able to gain empathy for, you know, black people and the struggles that they faced here in America. I've been able to understand empathy for women and the struggles that they've faced and for children and for, for every marginalized group, I've been able to gain a small understanding that has allowed me to build the empathy needed to, to care and love for those people. Again, like I said earlier, I don't have a full understanding of what it's like to be black in America. I don't. As a white cis male, you know, I have a lot of privilege. However, having this little aspect of me that might not be fully accepted in society has allowed me to grow my empathy for these people and has caused me to bring, get books and talk to people and educate myself and learn. And how can I be a better ally? I understand the importance of allies in my life. So how can I be a better ally for other marginalized groups? Because yes, this is part of me, but I can use this part of me to grow and help other people. Um, and I just think that I wouldn't have this any other way. I wouldn't, if I could choose, and I'm fairly certain, not fairly certain, I am certain that in the pre-mortal life, Jesus held up a rainbow flag. He said, who wants it? I said, me, throw it to me, please throw it to me. And I grabbed it. And I think that we as LGBTQ people and allies have such a strong and important purpose here on the earth at this time to help to build Zion. And I would just, I would be a very different person if I was straight. And so I'm very grateful that my life can be filled with color of rainbows. I'm grateful my life can be filled with beauty and with relationships that mean a lot to me. I'm grateful that my life can be filled with a strong relationship to heavenly parents 
that I might not have understood if I was straight, if I didn't have these experiences that I've had. When I was 16, you know, and my friend had left me and I was alone, I needed a mom. And I had Heavenly Mother there for me. I wouldn't have gotten that clear and strong testimony relationship with her if I wasn't struggling with those things at that point in my life. And yes, it's caused me to mature up a bit, right? That I've had to lose that part of my innocence, my childhood. However, you know, I still worked at Disney. I still went and embraced my inner child. Everything works out in the end. Um, but I just think that there were times when I had no one. And so I had to rely on my Jesus Christ, on my Savior. And I had to rely on my heavenly parents. I needed a mom's hug and I needed a mom's comfort. You know, the, not that my mom wasn't there, but I didn't allow my mom to be there at that point in my life. And, you know, she wasn't ready for that either. And I just think there's a, there's a beauty in God's timing and understanding that everything happens at the time that it's supposed to happen. Right? My parents have started this company called Safe Space Pins, where they create these rainbow pins. It's an amazing thing. I never would have imagined my parents would be doing that. Right? If you told 16-year-old Brandon that your parents would be the big allies, that my mom would go to a lift and love getaway, you know, I would be shocked that my parents would be doing that thing. That my dad would be speaking in church, that they would be walking out a sacrament meeting if they get hurt from a talk. It's amazing. And it's beautiful. And I've never felt more love for my parents either than I do right now and who I am. And I just think there is so much beauty and your eyes are completely opened when you start embracing LGBTQ people for who they are. There's a whole world to see out there that I, that other people that you don't see until you start embracing these people. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Your parents are listening. This is a credit to you for raising Brandon. And yes. Um, you like me haven't been perfect parents and there's things we do over, but I think you've done a terrific job. And I think the man you've raised and the son you have in Brandon and the things we want to give our kids, you've done that for him. And you've got a confident, strong, um, deeply authentic, deeply loving young man, son, who's going to bless a lot of people's lives. I love your answer to why you're gay. You're so at peace with that. You wouldn't change that. I think that's a credit to you. It's a credit to the culture at BYU, why and other cultures you've been in. It's a credit to you. And you haven't had an owner's manual roadmap like a straight Latter-day Saint. And sometimes I've noticed that you um, have to develop a relationship with a Savior and your heavenly parents because you don't sometimes have um, the, the things in your life that just it's an easier road if you're straight. Um, if you're at BYU Hawaii listening to this, I think you're all doing just a terrific job. If you're in the administration there, if you're a teacher, um, if you're a student, an ally student, an LGBTQ student, I think you're just doing a great job there. And there's some people that are out in public like you, Brandon, and Yase, who's just terrific. Uh, I think you're all trailblazers, all of you, um, throughout all ranks of BYU Hawaii. And I, you know, and I think you're doing what the church has asked us to do. There's many quotes about Elder Ballard spoke at BYU. We listen to and understand that our LGBTQ members are feeling experience. We can do better than we have in the past. To all feel they have a sense of belonging and kind of paraphrasing that quote. But he mm-hmm. gave a charge at BYU um, Provo that to me, BYU, I don't want to be critical of BYU Provo. I think everybody's doing the best they can, but BYU Hawaii in particular, is just doing a terrific job 
honoring President Ballard's charge to the church to create a feeling of belonging and to do better than we have in the past. And clearly BYU-Hawaii is doing better in the past. And it's a credit to everybody that's there. Um, So it just gives me hope. You know, and I look at you, Brandon, and this, I say this a lot, but, you know, it'd be fascinating to see where you are at 31 and 41 and 51, because you've laid down this foundation in your life at a young age that gives you the ability to create your whole life possible. You're not going to be spending the next three decades um, sort of working through your sexual orientation and coming to terms with it. and, And sometimes the pain and trauma that just decades of that journey goes through. You've gone compress that into a short period of time because I think we have cultures better. There's more support. Um, but I think it's part of the rising generation, partly who just is, you know, does, I don't want to be critical of people my age that are LGBTQ, but it's just more support. And so you can get into a better spot earlier that then makes the rest of your life possible in a way because you don't have so much trauma in your life. And that gives me hope in the future. So you're, you have a great life ahead of you and I love your careers focused on other people. And, and I just, inv- people listen to this podcast and I just invite us to do what we can do in our circle of influence. If we're an ally or a parent and you hear stories of what other allies are doing, other parents are doing, or if you're LGBTQ, what Brandon and, Yesse and others are doing, but you still, and this is what Brandon said, you still got to write your own story and don't get, don't feel you're not good at this space. If you're not doing it like somebody else, just do what you can do. And that's all I think that we do and be at peace that you're doing the best you can. We're at the end, but I'd love to give you time to share any last concluding thoughts, Brandon. Well, I usually like to share an analogy that I have of a rainbow. Um, because one time I was talking to an elders quorum at my home ward and someone raised their hand and said, what does the rainbow mean to you? And I'd never really thought about it. Um, of what does this rainbow mean to me? And it made me think, and I finally have an answer. So to the guy that asked me that, however long ago, here is your answer. Finally, um, a rainbow to me, right? We, we think of, let's think of weather. Right. If we have someone that hasn't experienced much weather, they would say it's either sunny or it's rainy. You cannot have sunny and rainy together. Someone inexperienced in the church in life might also say you can't be a member of the church and you can't be part of the LGBTQ community. Right. That these are two opposite things. Sun cannot happen with rain. LGBTQ cannot happen with member of the church. Um, to which I say, so what about a rainbow? Because when we get sun, and rain together, we get this beautiful creation of a rainbow. When it's rained and all that's gone away and the sun comes out, we have this beautiful array of color in front of us, this beautiful thing that if you haven't experienced, you don't know really what it is. You have pictures and stuff, but unless you've experienced a rainbow and seen this, this connection, this bridge between sun and rain, you don't understand what it is. And I relate that to being LGBTQ and in the church. As so many people might say, you can't, you can't. But look at me, look at this rainbow that I've created within myself as I bridge these two things that the church tells me it can't happen and that people in the LGBTQ people in the community tell me it can't happen. So what about me? What about everyone else that is going through this? This is a rainbow. We have bridged these two things that are seemingly opposites. 
the inexperienced people, that people that haven't met me might say it's not possible. People that have never seen a rainbow will say it's not possible. But until you see a rainbow and until you meet an LGBTQ person that has been able to bridge this gap, then, you know, that's what a rainbow means to me. And not saying that every LGBTQ people needs to stay in the church. It's okay. You're on your own journey, right? That whole thing we did. It's okay if you create your rainbow somewhere else. Bridge your gaps in other places. It is okay. You know, because God and your heavenly parents, they are still supporting you and looking out for you with wherever you are. Again, this is my story. This is the rainbow that I created. But for everyone else, if, if your rainbow is not being created here, it's okay to go create your rainbows in other places. But we have a duty to create rainbows and to show others who we are and to bridge gaps. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I like to end. That's what a rainbow means to me. And that's just the significance to me. That's awesome. So listeners, this is Brandon Galley um, and Richard Osler signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. Mm-hmm.